Welcome to the Audiobook Speakeasy. I'm Rich Miller, and I'm your host here at the Speakeasy. This is where you'll meet narrators, coaches, engineers, and other audiobook professionals, as well as some listeners who'll be sharing what they look for in a good audiobook. If you're interested in audiobook production, you've come to the right place. So come on in, grab a drink, pull up a chair, and join us for a friendly chat about audiobooks. I met my guest tonight at a local meeting here in Tucson of a group that has nothing to do with audiobooks. But we got to talking, and I found out that she is an audiobook fan. In fact, she listens to a lot of audiobooks. Her Audible library has over 2,000 audiobooks in it. Sharon Quarles, thanks for joining me in the speakeasy tonight. It is my pleasure. I Thank you for inviting me. You are very welcome. I talk to a lot of narrators and coaches, and uh, a lot of times what people want to find out about is, who are these people that are listening to these audiobooks that we're recording? So it's, so it's just, great to be able to talk to one. Thank you. It's just everyday, ordinary people. and <laughs> 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 don't have time to sit down and read for the most part. That's right. That's right. All right. Well, thanks for coming into the Speakeasy. What are you drinking tonight? I am doing my usual afternoon rosé. Rosé. Now, it seems to me that when we were at that meeting the first time, you were having a glass of wine, but I think that it was a white wine. I don't remember, yes. but uh, but but anyway, so tonight it's a glass of rosé. All right. Well, I haven't had a glass of rosé in a long time, and tonight is no exception. <laughs> I'm joining you in a drink tonight with uh, some 12-year-old Appleton Estate rum, kind of in a tropical mood, so poured some rum threw some lime juice in it, and that's the drink for tonight. Aha, sounds actually really good. Yeah, yeah, it's good. It's kind of like a classic daiquiri, but without any added sugar. So, <laughs> works. And, and the 12-year-old rum is, is uh, pretty good stuff. So, anyway, Sharon, thanks for coming into the speakeasy. Cheers. Cheers to you. All right, so uh, where are you from, Sharon? Well, I was born in Pennsylvania, in Pittsburgh, but my dad was in the Navy, so we moved coast to coast, and even spent some time in the middle of the United States, back and forth. We moved every couple of years. Sounds like military. So, yeah. So I've lived in a lot of places and moved around a lot. Ah, <laughs> kind of a, kind of a, a, a nomad experience when you were younger. So when did you end up here in Tucson? I ended up in Tucson by choice. It took me, my brother moved here and about 30 years ago, and I just loved coming down here. And I wanted to move here for a long time from Seattle. And it took me a lot of time and work and getting everything lined up and getting a husband to agree and <laughs> finding things we could do for work. And finally, I got here about 10 years ago, and I am going out feet first. I love this place. <laughs> well, that's great. My wife and I had a similar experience. We thought of different places to move to, and we certainly have not been to as many places as, as you have been, I'm sure. But um, she moved around a little when she was younger, and uh, and I really spent my entire life in California. But we decided, well, it's time to go someplace. And so a friend of ours lived down in uh, Green Val or um, uh, uh, Sarita, close to Green Valley. Uh Right. And uh, so we came to visit, and we actually fell in love with it too. So bought a house a few months later, and uh, not not looked back so far. I don't know if we will go out feet first, but we haven't looked back so far. <laughs> we re really do like it here. Quite a climate change, though, moving from Seattle down to the desert southwest. It is. I just I loved Seattle. I really did. I had a fantastic life there, but I just got tired of being cold. Yeah. And in the summer, it's cold. In the winter, it's cold. I just really wanted to be warm. Mm -hmm. and it can be 110, 115. I'm perfectly happy. You will never hear me complain about it. <laughs> That's great. I start to complain sometime around 110, but uh, but oh. I, I totally understand. We, we really do appreciate the heat here, too. Um, so you are in real estate. Yes, my husband and I, um, he went into it first, and it's kind of our retirement, and then I went into real estate a year later, and um, we've done, you know, pretty well with it. We're actually pretty successful with it. We like it. We enjoy the people that we get to meet and be around, and um, it, it's just, um, we know we know Tucson, you know, we know mm -hmm. the people. 
and we really enjoy it. So did you start, did you both start real estate here in Tucson or prior to moving here? No, we both started in Tucson. My husband with, was um, corporate sales. He was a sales manager for Sun Microsystems for many years and then a few other companies along the way. And um, so we had a, I had a really nice life. <laughs> and then we moved down here and kind of got forced into retirement when the crash hit. Uh, and, yeah. you know, ended up landing on our feet. Well, that's it, great. That's great. Really well for us. So we're pretty happy about that. That's great. And so being in real estate, I'm sure you do a lot of driving. Yes, we do. We do. <laughs> of us do. We do a lot of driving. So but, when did, so when did but, you when did you start listening to audiobooks? Um, well, you're not old enough to remember when I started probably. <laughs> <laughs> I probably am. I started probably in the 80s. Okay, yep, um, me too. They were tapes at the time. Yep. And then we moved into CDs and then Audible started and there was a a, a device called the Rio 500. And that we had to spend like to put a book on it had to be divided into half and it would take all night to download a book to it. Wow. And then we had a funky phone system and if it heard a click, it would stop the the download. But um, so I've been with Audible since their inception. But going back to the 80s, that is quite a while. I, I remember when books on tape were on tape, and that was pretty much the only way that you could get them. They were. You're right. And they were really expensive. I mean, yep. you know, they, they they charged a lot for them. And um, But to me, it was worth it. I could, I could listen to a book so easily. I'm pretty auditory. So when I went to school, I never took notes. I, if I heard it, I could remember it. And so ah. from listening to books is, you know, an incredible pleasure. And I feel really fortunate to be able to do it. That's great. That's, I know that, you know, different people take in information differently. And, um, and so some people do a lot better reading. My wife is not an audiobook listener. She's listened to one or two, but she, it's just not for her. But you will find her with a book every day. And uh, other people, uh, some in my family even, uh, extended family, never been readers, but uh, other types of media they're fine with. So everybody does it differently, and it sounds like audio works for you. It does. And most people who try it that I talk, you know, talk to end up, if you try it and you can immerse yourself in it, then, you know, it, it belongs to you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it's it wonderful. So before you moved to Tucson, were you doing a lot of driving or did you mostly just listen at home? Oh, no. Before I moved to Tucson, I had a wonderful life. I played soccer. <laughs> I played soccer uh, four days a week. Wow, um, no kidding. Seriously, so I played soccer, serious soccer in Seattle. It's a really, it, it's a really important sport for women. And um, I skied as well. I'd go ski in the morning and go play soccer at night. But um, Wow. That's an active life. It was a very nice life. <laughs> but for me, I've always had animals like dogs. I walk my dogs. I listen to a book while I'm walking. If I'm cleaning out a closet, I listen to a book while I'm cleaning out a closet. If I'm cooking, I listen to a book while I'm – I listen to a book almost all the time. Wow. That's, that's great. And now, of course, since you're doing a lot of driving, uh, I'm sure that that is a perfect location to be listening to books. It is, and I have a new car, so it just automatically picks up what I'm listening to, and when I turn it off, it goes back to my earphones, and I couldn't be happier. That's great. That's great. So I also live about 45 minutes from town, so it takes us 45 minutes to an hour to get anywhere. Yeah, no, so, I, I understand. I know the geography, and I know where you are, and uh, I, I know how far out that is. Yeah, so anything I do, you know, I listen to a book. Yeah. That's great. So do you have a favorite genre of audiobook? Well, if I had my choice, I would just strictly read murder mysteries. I love murder mysteries. Yeah. That's my favorite. But I know better than that. I know that and I belong to a book club and my book club, a couple of people in my book club um, are audio listeners as well. So um, 
they force me into other areas that I might not pick up a book and read. So, so, so by force you into, you mean they'll give you a recommendation for something that they liked? Well, the book for the next month might not be something that I particularly think I would want to listen to. But uh, when I, I find out, hey, well, I'm missing something here. So I get on a binge and go read everything I can in that area. Oh, that's great. That's a, a good um, kind of a little um, kick in the butt to learn new things. It is. It is. It really is. And then I know I'm a big proponent of Audible, but that now they have their daily deal. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times I'll just like, mm, that sounds kind of interesting and it might be something completely off my list. And you know what? I found out I really liked what I read, sort of listened to. I say read and listen to. Oh, yeah. It's pretty pretty, pretty in- interchangeable in the industry, yeah. I think. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, a uh, friend of mine who's actually going to be here in the speakeasy in a few weeks, uh, Joel Leslie Frumkin, he actually had a, a book on the Daily Deal. Um, I'm drawing a blank. I, I can't think of the name right now, but that was that was about a week ago. I was not actually even aware of the Daily Deal. I don't know when they started that, but um, that, that is actually pretty cool. They're, they're very low price, and uh, they're kind of all over the map. I've seen nonfiction, fiction, classics, uh, all kinds of stuff. Oh, absolutely. They really are. It's, it's, um, I can't wait when I get up in the morning. First thing I do is I come over here, I bring up my audible and I look to see what the daily deal is. (laughs) (laughs) Why not just grab it? I know I do. I do. I have a, I have a, a deal with audible because I was there when they're in their inception. So I get five books a month for a given price regardless. Ah, so you're kind of grandfathered into the original contract. They've tried to change it on me. They've asked me to give it up, but I refuse. Yep. And when Amazon bought them out, they tried to do that. But, um, so, but I never use my, my credits for the daily deal. I always just pay for those. Oh, sure. They're only usually at the most three ninety five. So, you know. So, yeah, okay. and and there are also several of them that I have seen have been relatively short, and so I'm sure that even at full price, they are probably less than the value of a credit. Oh, yeah. oh, absolutely. Yeah, if it's only a couple of hours or under five or seven, maybe between seven and five hours, it's only like a dollar ninety five or two ninety five. So, um, yeah, that's what I do. Yeah. I just buy. All the time. No, so. that's, that's great. <laughs> uh, so how many audiobooks do you think you listen to in an average month? Well, I get my five. So I always listen to the minimum of five and generally around 10, maybe a little more sometimes. If I'm not sleeping well, then I listen to more books. <laughs> so. Some, something to do at three in the morning when you can't sleep. Exactly. I sleep with my earphones. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I told you, you probably don't know many people who are as addicted to it as I am. But. No, I, I definitely don't. I, <laughs> I know people who spend that much time narrating, but uh, not that many people <laughs> yeah. who spend that much time listening. <laughs> so that's good. So, so at least five and sometimes 10, maybe a few more, depending on, on how things are going. Exactly. And, and murder mysteries are kind of the, uh, the, the, the kind of book that you gravitate towards, but you listen to a lot of different things. Well, you know, if I listen to a really serious, heavy book, then I have to do a light, fun book. Yeah. And, and would you say that most of the murder mysteries that you listen to are kind of the, the cozy type that are kind of fun and sort of like a, um, Jessica Fletcher kind of, kind of thing where it's funny, but somebody dies. Uh, no, <laughs> no, you go, you go for the there more serious one, ones. There's one author that I, that I, it's Rice Bowen. I don't know if you're familiar with her. She writes this Royal Spinus books and it, it's about probably 1930s in the UK. And, um, the, the protagonist, a woman, and she's always got to solve some kind of a murder and she's 34th in line to the throne. And, and they're just <laughs> fun. They're just fun. But the saddest thing is, is the reader who I identify the character with um, passed away recently. And she was fairly young. Oh, that's too bad. Oh, I'll bet I know who you're, I bet I know who you're talking about. Um, Kelgram. Kelgram, yeah. Yeah, that, that was um, all over the audiobook world and uh, really a tragedy. It, it really was. And I, I, at the book fair, I was able to talk to Reese Bowen 
about it a little bit. And she was saying, you know, she didn't know what she was going to do because Calgary was her, that was her character, you sure. know, yeah. her life. So, um, and then like, oh, I'll read um, James Lee Burke. Um, he has uh, quite a few um, David Robichaux books. And I really, really like his books. I can't wait for those to come out. And Will Patton needs those. They used to have another reader on there, and I liked him. But then is Mark Hammer, I think. Mm -hmm. And Will Patton took it over, and he he personifies, you know, the character. So I can go all over the place. Reese Bowen is my in-between books. Mm Mm-hmm books and James Lee Burke is more my heavy books, I guess. Well, so. well, that's good. So, so the murder mysteries, most of them aren't all that light, but, uh, but you like all different kinds. I do. I really do. That's great. And accents. So, so you would say that, yeah, sorry, there's the dog. Um, <laughs> I'm actually going to close my door, my booth door here, and that'll cut it down a little bit. Um, so Reese, uh, what was the author's name again? Your, your favorite author? Um, Reese Bowen. Bowen. Okay. And what about narrators? Uh, do you have a favorite narrator aside from the one who is no longer with us? Well, you know what? The narrators, there are a lot of them that I really like, but I like them because of the characters. Mm. They give life to the characters. So I end up, um, I can't say, you know, like we all know Scott Brick's great reader and I like I've, I've heard of Scott, yeah. Yeah, I've heard of So, you know who, um, do you know Ray Porter? I do not. Okay, did you ever listen to 14 by Peter Klein? No, not familiar with that. Okay, there were all these characters in there from like a woman from India and all these characters. And... And Ray Porter was able to give each of those accents. So I never had to think twice about who the different person, you know, who was talking at that time. Mm-hmm. So so that's um, something that you like then is a really clear character delineation. I really do. I do. Sometimes I get frustrated when I have a book that I, I don't really know which of the characters is talking at that point. Mm-hmm. So that gets a little frustrating for me. Um, I, I work my way through it. It's not anything that's going to stop me from listening to it. Right. But um, that's, that's one of the harder things. Well, I think some of the, um, the nonfiction books, like it was what, Sapiens? Oh, yeah. yeah. I remember that. Actually, I would still yeah. really like to listen to that. That was a really good book, and, and it was a nonfiction, and the reader was great in nonfiction. You know, it was just really terrific. Well, so, so since since you mentioned nonfiction, let's let's kind of break off on that for a second. Okay. So, so would you say that most of what you listen to is fiction? Um, I'd say it's seventy five twenty five. All right, non-fiction. so so probably. Oh, wait a minute. So seventy five percent fiction. Yes. Okay. All right. So, so it is yeah. most of what you listen to, but that's, that's still a sizable chunk of nonfiction. Um, what, what do you find works well in nonfiction? You mean for the reader or? Yeah. For, um, the people that, that I'm familiar with and, and who I know, a lot of us do both fiction and nonfiction. I'm about half and half, uh, in what I narrate. And I really like that split. I really enjoy doing both for very, very different reasons. And there are different ways you approach them differently. And um, some people really don't like nonfiction that much because sometimes the narration is too dry and boring. Um, but then you also have, well, it's it can be difficult to make something that is a fairly dry topic more interesting. So when you're listening to nonfiction, what, what really works for you? Okay. Now, if I'm listening, I've listened to your nonfiction and I think you do a really good job with nonfiction. Well, thank you. And, and I have to say, I did not pay Sharon to say that. I know. You didn't. <laughs> I, I, um, when I met you, I went and listened to all the books you had recorded. So I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> well, thank you for that. <laughs> I did that a, lot. It was a couple years ago, I think. I think it was. Yeah. Uh, so, um, one of the problems I have is, and it happens quite often when the author reads the book, mm. I find that 
I want to, I want actually to listen to a professional reader. I really do. Mm -hmm. um, I've listened to a few. I could give you a name of one woman who reads her own books. I think she does it now, but oh my gosh, her voice was just like, um, on a chalkboard. It was, <laughs> it was, and, and it was really hard. I wanted to, I wanted the story. I wanted what she was telling me in this nonfiction book, but to get to it was, it was miserable. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry to say that, but it was miserable. Yeah. There, there are many of us that, uh, when we hear that an author wants to read their own book, we kind of go, well, um, and there are absolutely exceptions to that. Um, I'm, I have not actually listened to, uh, his books, but, I believe that uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson is probably somebody who could be very interesting in a nonfiction uh, book that that he wrote. Um, and, and so there are exceptions, but a lot of times authors want to do that. And um, I, it's not that I try to steer them away from it, but I do try to educate them on what's going to be difficult about getting that to work well. Um, so, so I hear you on that. Uh, but it, but if it's not the author reading, what really works for you to make a nonfiction work uh, interesting and keep you engaged? Well, it has to sound like the person who's reading the book is as interested in it as I want to be. Yeah, key point. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I've listened to books that the reader just reads the words off the page. Mm -hmm. And... I, I need them to have an interest in it and because that's that's what's going to keep my interest in it as well. And, you know, so quite often nonfiction books are quite lengthy and mm -hmm. you're going to spend a lot of time with this person and you, you want you want something. It doesn't have to be musical. It just has to be the sound of interest of that. I don't know how to explain it really. No, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. And I'm sure that most of my listeners do too. Um, several of us have studied with a certain nonfiction coach. And um, it's one of the things is you, you have to be, it's, it's entertainment. Even if you are imparting knowledge, it's entertainment and you have to keep the audience, whoever they are engaged. And a lot of that has to do with being interested in the topic. However, you can manage to do that, stay interested in the topic, and that will keep the listener interested. Exactly. They chose that book for a reason because they wanted that information. Mm -hmm. It's not just information they wanted. They want to, they want to be read a story about that information. Yeah. Yeah. And, so, uh, so what about, uh, what about fiction then? Uh, what really works for you in, in fiction? Well, there are some readers who can do male. Sometimes I'm listening to a male read a, a woman's role. Mm -hmm. and I, I really forget that that's a man reading that role. I'm so involved in it. But then there are other times that I'm like, oh, for crying out loud, get a second reader for the women's parts or <laughs> vice versa, women who are reading men's parts, you know. Yeah. And I can't delineate between who is the man, who is the woman. And it, it one of the things, and it's not – it is not the reader's fault. It is the writer's fault. But he said, she said, he mm. said, she said, when you hear that constantly, somebody should go and um, edit all the extra he said, she said out of a book before it's read. That's a that's a big point of contention within the community um, because attribution, when it's on the page, it's very easy to throw away. And and you can throw it away in audio as well, but it's more difficult to make it sort of transparent and for the listener not to get um, tired of hearing it. So that's that's a big one. And there are authors who I have seen uh, and, and heard where they talk about the fact that they now write differently because they know that their book is going to audio. Oh, I think I think that's really smart. I really do because even when I re I actually read quite. I have a library in my house. I actually read a lot of books as well, but um, reading it gets annoying too. You know, I know who the character is. I know who the, what who's saying. I don't need somebody to say he said, she said. And um, when I listen to it on an audiobook, it really does it does get frustrating. Yeah. Uh, to to. It just seems like 
there's so much more we can do with that time. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't have to be like that. Yeah. But it makes sense. Um, I would not give up listening to books for anything. And I just read a book the other day, or, and you know what? I, you have to sit still. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. You can't move around. You can't do all the things you need to do. And uh, <laughs> it, I, I would rather listen to a book than turn on the television or anything. Yeah. No, that's, so. that's great. Believe me, there are a lot of people listening to this who uh, are going to be very happy that there are people like you out there. Um, <laughs> what, what about genres that you don't like at all or that you just won't listen to? Does anything fall into that category? Well, some religious things I won't listen to, but um, that's probably the only thing that otherwise – I actually find that most everything has something to give me when it's all said and done. Mm-hmm. That um, I used to have a rule, though, that anytime I started a book, the rule was that I had to finish that book. But I've not, I've not continued that with my life now. <laughs> <laughs> if, if I just don't want to read it, I just don't read it. I did not read, and it's not because of um, my my attitudes of sex or anything, but the, um, 50 grades of shade series, 50 shades of gray. Yeah. 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 I, it just, it doesn't interest me. I wouldn't read it and I wouldn't listen to it. Mm-hmm. Um, it just wasn't anything. And right now I have listened to, I think three books that deal with women alcoholics who, um, are in a vortex and I find it extremely frustrating. That's, that's a very specific, sort of story it sounds like <laughs> <laughs> well it, it, there's a what was that the woman on the train the girl on a train oh right yeah and there was um what is it sharp objects and now there's a woman in the window and they're all that same kind of character mm. and i just want to scream you know Get up, get it fixed, and let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> I don't so, know. Okay. so you mentioned Fifty Shades of Grey. What about other romance slash erotica titles? Um, is there is there anything in that genre that uh, I mean? Have you listened to much in that in that genre? Not a lot, but I have listened to it. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm. So one of, the, also, one, of the, one of the one of one of the trends that is fairly popular these days, and it seems to be, I think, getting more popular, is dual narration, where you've got uh, a main female character and a main male character. <clears throat> excuse me, and the the point of view changes chapter to chapter from one to the other, and there's uh, a woman reading the female point of view and a and a male reading the male point of view. Um, so that's gotten fairly popular. Have you listened to any books that have dual narration? Yes, I have. And what do and you think of that? It, it's all right. Um, I, 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 I'm not that crazy about it, frankly. Mm-hmm. I, I'm okay with just, um, oh, I can't think of the author right now who does a series of um, books with X. Um, oh, what were they? They were X um, secret service people. Mm. And, um, you know, they do that same thing and it's okay. I just know her, they always use the same characters. So I know the voices are going to be, I know who they are and I know their characters really well. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of okay with it. But sometimes I just, I don't just give me my reader and let, let's get on with it. But so, so you're fine with a male or female narrator for a book that switches off from point of view of, of different and characters. As long yeah. as they can do the, as long as they can, you know, change the voice enough that, that, I'm okay with that. I'm, I'm actually just fine with it. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm really curious to see where that goes in the future. It does seem to be picking up. There's also duet narration, and that is where you have a narrator who is either male or female who reads all of the text within the book, but then when you have actual dialogue, the female characters are voiced by a woman and the male characters are voiced by a man. And one or the other, depending on who the narrator is, might be the narrator. Uh, the same reader is the narrator, but uh, it actually switches off a little bit more in the direction of like an old style radio play. Have you have you listened to any of those? I have a couple, and I, you know what? I kind of like that because I grew up on old style radio, so mm-hmm. 
I, when my dad, we lived in Japan and all we had was radio and I learned to listen to the radio all the time because we had arms, armed forces or armed service radio. Mm-hmm. And, um, I listened to actually on serious radio, radio i listen to old time radio sometimes oh that's great so i i do i'm okay with that kind of uh, situation as well well when i was a kid we had a motorhome and at one point on some family outing in the motorhome uh i was listening to my little transistor radio and i came across i think it was a reboot of the cbs radio mystery hour hosted by e.g marshall that was on Sunday nights, I think. Yeah, and uh, and I loved it. I thought it was great. So then I actually sought it out. So I'm this, I don't know, I was probably 10 or 12 or 13 years old, something like that. And it must have been about the nerdiest thing for a kid my age to be doing. But I was always finding out, when's the next one going to be on? Because I wanted to hear it. So um, so what about full cast recordings? Have you listened to any audiobooks that are full cast with, you know, like 10 or 15 different people reading the different characters? No, I won't. I, I It just is... That's not what I want from a book. Mm. So when they have a full cast, I can't remember which book. It was a Stephen King book that they did that in. And I'm like, no, I don't want to do this. So yeah. I steered clear of those pretty much. I, 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 I'm not crazy about that. Mm. Okay. Um, Stephen King, that's interesting. He's one of my favorite authors from way back. I haven't read in, in much of his uh, later stuff. But when I was a kid, I just I ate that stuff up. I, I read everything from um, – uh, uh, Salem's Lot to uh, Firestarter and up through the the beginning of the trilogy, um, The Stand, all of that stuff. I just loved it, and I have not actually listened to any of the audiobooks of his books. Uh, have it sound? But it sounds like uh, you are familiar with his audiobooks. Have you listened to any of them? Yes, we have. As a matter of fact, we were, when my son was young and he had a friend visiting, we took them over to. Um, Eastern Washington for a ski weekend. And um, so we played a book the whole way across and neither one of them were interested in listening to a book. But uh. it was, <laughs> by the time we were done, they're like, Oh, can we turn this into a book report for school? I'm like, absolutely. <laughs> and they, they wouldn't even get out to go to the bathroom because they were afraid they were going to miss some of the book. They, wow. That's great. And it, you know, here are these two, um, I think they were probably about 13 and they just thought that was way beneath their skills, to, you know, and they, anyway, they turned into book listeners. So. Then, they, then they ended up liking it. That's great. Yeah, they did. As I, a matter of fact, I think my son did his, um, his college application essay on a book that he listened to. Wow. That's great. I, uh, I, so I have not listened to any, but I did, I have noticed on Audible that I believe he narrated, Stephen King narrated at least one or two of his own books. I, have you heard any of those? Yeah. You don't want to do that. Yeah. That's why <laughs> you do not want, you don't want authors narrating your own books. All right. Well, we'll we will leave that at that then. Um, I- believe that. <laughs> and I don't know that I'm the best source because, um, you know, I'll listen to a lot of things, but there's certain things. And, and now, now I have to tell you, Amy Tan, when she reads her books, mm-hmm. her accent is slight, but it gives a lyric to her reading that mm-hmm. makes, makes her books more authentic. Mm. And do you remember Angela's Ashes? Oh, sure. Yeah. Frank McCord, I think, I, wasn't it? Exactly. And he read that book himself. And as if I remember correctly, and um, with his accent, he made that book. That's before they were doing a lot of, inter, you know, he he made that book really live for you. you I, know? I can imagine having having lived it himself. <laughs> exactly. So sometimes, you know, and I say authors should read their own books, but sometimes it does work out. There are always exceptions to the rule. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> So do you leave ratings and or reviews on Audible? Um, I leave ratings. I don't write very many reviews because it takes time. Mm-hmm. But I do leave ratings on the books that I read. That's but I do review when I'm going to get a book. I look at how many stars it has. I don't pay attention to the first two or three reviews because I figure that's done by the um, the publisher. Mm. So I go down later <laughs> and look at the reviews from that. I figured that by that time it's people who have actually read or listened to it. It, it doesn't mean I will or won't buy the book. I just want to see what they say. Sure. Why did somebody give it one or two stars? Mm-hmm. You know? 
know why. And then I'll listen to the sample and I'll say, no, I think I'll go with this and try it. Yeah. Well, we all get one-star reviews every now and then. I know that uh, there was some book that I checked that Scott Brick narrated, and there was a a very, very small percentage, but there were some one-star reviews. And I, I read some comment at one point. And it was it was saying what a bad narrator, and I it just it makes me laugh because I think this is somebody who the vast majority of the world thinks is a fabulous narrator who absolutely understands the craft and does it almost perfectly almost every time, but you can't please everybody all the time. No, you can't. So that's why you have to like look at the reviews. Um, and then just say, okay, well, I'm going to do it anyway. Yep. Listen to the samples. If you listen to the samples, they give you enough on the samples, you, you know, that you can figure it out. Yeah, um, I, I would agree with that. The only thing that I would, uh, I would add to that is that those of us in the narration business are well aware that unfortunately the samples get compressed pretty seriously. And a lot of times we will go and listen to a sample of something that we've narrated and be horrified at the sound quality when we know that the sound quality is better. And, I, and I'm fairly certain that the, that the sound quality of the actual audiobook itself is better than what you hear in the sample. But at least it gives you a, a sense of how the narrator is going to sound. Wow, I did not know that. Yeah, yeah. There are times that... Um, you listen to a sample and the sound quality is far worse. Now, of course, it depends on the device that you're listening on. If you're listening to it on an iPad in the middle of a big room, you're probably not going to notice as much the mm-hmm. poor sound quality because then when you're actually listening to the book, you're going to have your earbuds in, uh, maybe even headphones. And so it's it's going to sound fine. And, and the quality of the sample when you're listening, you know, on a, on a small device with tiny speakers really isn't going to make that much of a difference. Um, but it it is true that often the samples are much worse quality than the book itself. Huh? I had no idea. I appreciate knowing that. I really do because that's, you know, what I do. But I also tell you that my other secret genre is, and I have no idea why I keep this a secret, but I love science fiction. (laughs) Oh, that's great. I'm, I just signed on to do another science fiction book. (laughs) Did you really? I I did. Yeah. So, um, and, and it seems to me from what I've read lately that it's a genre that has never gone really out of fashion, but it did kind of kind of go for a little slump for quite a while and that it appears that it seems to be coming back a little. Um, that could be a, that could be me completely misconstruing what I've read, but it seems to me that science fiction is really kind of gaining in popularity again. Um, so, so that's great. So what are some science fiction works that you have uh, really enjoyed? Well, I can't remember the name of it. There was one, and it was written in the 50s, and it was a town in Florida where all the bombs have gone off and only this town exists. And they deal with all the things, and this was written in the 50s, so you have to deal with color, you have to deal with mm. um, size. It was an amazing, it was an amazing book. But Audible has done, um, I call them the Bob series, and um, there's three books, and it's about somebody who has paid for cryogenics mm. and then killed. And so their head is frozen, but their head never comes back to their head. It's like a couple hundred years later and their head has been computerized. Oh. So I'm, I'm, ma- I'm making a mess out of it, but <laughs> so I listen to it. I called my brother. You have to listen to it. I got my husband. I got everybody to listen to this book because I just thought it was absolutely wonderful. That's great. <laughs> so. That's great. That's good to hear. Yeah. I'll, uh, I'll see if I can find more, more about that. Um, yeah. It's great. <laughs> good to know. Um, so do you have any favorite audiobooks? I, I think of myself and I think of not so much audiobooks, but other media. I am a huge fan of the series, The Sopranos, which has not been in production for over 10 years. And I have watched the entire series probably at least a dozen times, probably two dozen times. And I just continue to cycle through it. Do you have any, any audiobooks that you have listened to several or many times? Well, that would be my James Lee Burt books. <laughs> okay. And then I don't know if you're familiar with Barbara Kingsolver. Oh, and, sure. Yeah. Okay. Well, her book, 
um, Poisonwood Bible. I remember that title. I never read it, but I think my wife had that. It is my favorite book in the entire world. Um, I have a signed copy, uh, first edition. I just love it. If I love a book, if I listen to a book, and I used to buy books all the time, and I only buy first editions, but um, if I love a book, and I and I listen to it, then I will go and seek it out and try to find a first edition to put in my library. Wow. Uh, it's because I want to physically own that book as well. So So you've lis- so you've listened to that multiple times? Oh yes, yes, yes. That's that's one of the ones I really, really love. Um That's great. And like Sapiens, I think I'm going to do that one again because I think I missed stuff about you know, that was in there that I really think I need to know. Well, that's, I'm, I'm glad you said that because somebody brought that to my attention. I think it was six months ago. It was probably right after it came out and, um, or at least the audiobook. uh, somebody said that they had listened to that and I looked it up and I thought, I think I would be really interested in this. Um, and, but I never went and got it. So I'm thankful for the reminder because I think I actually am going to get that one. You know, there's another book and, it's kind of based in truth, but it's called Chantaran. And it's probably a 30, 40 hour book. But oh my gosh, I loved that book. I, I would listen to that one again as well. Wow. That's, uh, that's, that's a long one. We talk about that every once in a while in the narrator community. What's the longest book you've done? And I, <laughs> I, I just heard uh, recently a friend of mine does a lot of religious narration. And he's got, uh, he's, he's just finished or finishing a, um, a, an extremely thorough analysis of just the book of Psalms. And I believe that the entire thing, it's like a six volume series. And I think the entire thing is, is ended up to be something like 230 hours. Um, so shout out to Bob Sauer. That's in, it's an ama- wow. amazing, uh, ability to do, uh, something that goes that much in depth. Uh, but, uh, that's a, a huge work. Uh, so, but even, even a 30 or 40 hour book, that's, that's a long book. It is. It really is. I can't imagine one that long. I listened to, I, when I was in high school, I was into Ayn Rand, right? Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not now. Believe no, me, no nothing I, to do with my life now. But I had decided that I wanted to go back, and I bought at that time tapes. Mm-hmm. And I don't know many how many hours there was like, I don't know how many tapes. It came in a big volume. I gave it away. Um, I think I paid like three or four hundred dollars for it. And you know, yeah. Now embarrassed that I did it, but I loved the reader. Yeah, the reader was great. <laughs> oh, that's great. So was it, was it Atlas Shrugged or was it one of her other works? It was, I did Atlas Shrugged. I did Atlas, Atlas Shrugged. Shrugged. Yeah. yeah. So I read, I, I read that when I was in high school, back when I was an arch conservative, which probably most of the audience <laughs> listening now would be amazed to hear that. But, um, and, and I loved it. I thought it was great. And I tried to read it again after I was no longer an arch conservative and I don't think it was so much the politics. It was that, oh, my God, this is so fucking long. I just, uh, I, I just, I just couldn't get through it. <laughs> and it makes no sense. Yeah. <laughs> it makes no sense whatsoever in the world today. Yeah. And then she got really, and I read everything she wrote. And um, then I, I followed Nathaniel Brandon, the Brandon Institute for Ayn Rand, and I got into all that. And then I started really analyzing it, and I found out some other things, and I'm like, Oh my God, this is a psychopath. Oh, <laughs> I'm done. I'm done. I'm out of here. You know what? Yeah. I wish, I wish that somebody would read some of the really, really old books. I have some books that have, were um, written by people back in the thirties and twenties and their message hasn't changed, you know? Their message is still good, and their stories are amazing. Well, uh, I'll tell you what. You write me up a list, and I will find out if any of them are in the public domain. And if they are, I'll do one of them. Would you really? I yeah. have one that is just, I think it's the best book ever. What book is this? Oh, I have to go get it for you. Oh, it's no, no, no. That's all right. That's all right. So, no, so I won't go get it right now. But, I mean, it's Charlie something. I can't remember. It was uh, uh, the woman who wrote it was a silent movie star. Oh. And it was just an amazing, amazing book. 
That's and great. Yeah, no, send me a list. And because uh, I've I've done uh, one book with Stephen J. Cohen at Spoken Realms, and um, it they they can do a lot of different things at Spoken Realms. But one of the things that that he does is um, he takes on or allows narrators that he works with to take on works in the public domain, and um, it's it's great. It's uh, Stephen's great. It's a great company. And it allows narrators to do things that are of interest to them where they don't have to deal with a publishing company or a rights holder or, you know, anything like that. So I'll, I'll definitely take a look at them and see if any of them are in the public domain and uh, available for that. Well, I'm going to send you this one as soon as we hang up. because I, it's, I just thought it was an amazing book. But Great. Yeah, know. sounds cool. <laughs> sounds great. It may not be to everybody's taste, but it was something that I really, really enjoyed. Um, so yeah, sometimes I go searching for those kind of books and then I order them and turns out they're, um, from a library or something and they have a library things on them. And I'm like, mm, no, I wanted a first edition. To do that. <laughs> that's, okay. that's okay. I'll take it. Yeah. But no, that's great. That's great. Books are a way of life for me. Yeah. It sounds like it. it sounds like it. So, so do. any, anything else that you can think of in terms of things that you either, think are really, really great about the audiobooks that you listen to or re- or makes them really, really difficult to listen to. You know, most of the people who listen to this podcast are narrators. And so my, my purpose in bringing in guests who listen to a ton of audiobooks is to find out what is it that, uh, that people are listening for and they really like, and what is it that they don't like. A lot of times as a narrator, we might not have any control over something that a listener might not like, but sure. knowing about it will at least get you thinking and, you know, how do I mitigate that as best as possible? Well, for me, again, the, it's the delineation between um, male and female voices. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I want, I, I, I really, really and truly prefer listening to one narrator that can change voices. Okay. Um, accents are really important. And here's something that I would really, really love is when, before they pronounce the name of a town or a place or a thing, if you don't know, like Lake Chelan in Seattle, outside of Seattle on the other side, it's in Eastern Washington. This is a book written by a a person who's from that area Mm -hmm. and kept the narrator kept calling it Chalon. It's like, no. So (laughs) sometimes it might be worth a call for the, um, for the producer or somebody to give them a call and say to the, all you have to do is, is call the chamber of commerce and say, how do I pronounce it? That is great advice. And that comes up every once in a while in the forums that I frequent, uh, about pronunciations. And that question about place names specifically, it's place names and, and people names, um, place names specifically, that suggestion has come up and I think it's brilliant is just call somebody there. And if you call the chamber of commerce or if you call just a random business in that area, they will be able to tell you. And Any they might think they will be glad to tell you. <laughs> yeah. And, and the, they might think it's an odd request, but most people are like, uh, it's pronounced this way. Why do you ask? And then you can tell them or just hang up or whatever you want to do. But it's like the, the easiest way to, to get something right. Well, what happens is, you know, if you're listening and, and all of a sudden, you know, something and it's mispronounced, it's a distraction. Yep. And it takes your mind off of what's going on in the story. And I have had my share of mispronunciations. And I do research, uh, but every once in a while you miss something. Uh, I still remember, I I actually got a one-star review one time because of, well, ostensibly, based on his review, because I mispronounced one word that anybody who's from that area in this industry would know is pronounced this way. And so uh, some people take it very personally when you get something wrong. (laughs) Well, the one that stands out for me is macabre. It looks like macabre. Mm, right, yeah. But it's not. It's macabre. Mm-hmm. And um, that one drives me crazy. Yeah. <laughs> when I hear somebody say it, my, my brain just stops right there. <laughs> no, I need to call you. <laughs> All right. So uh, so character delineation is good. Let me, let me um, kind of hone in on that for just a second because another sure. question that comes up frequently is – 
from brand new male narrators who haven't done this before. They ask about, you know, doing female characters in some sort of falsetto. And the advice is always, no, never. That's that's not what you want because nobody listening to this is going to think you're actually a woman whether you do that or not. And all it's going to do is take them out of the story. All you need to do is change your voice in a way that makes it clear it's different. Would you agree with that? I agree with that 100%. I don't want to hear a little high-pitched voice. No. Okay. Just just give me a different voice. I, it doesn't. You don't have to be pretending to be a woman. Great. That is or that is a male as well. The same. Right, the right, same right. Goes for women who are reading male parts. Mm-hmm. So, um, that, that's another complaint that I've heard many times: is women who, uh, or reviews that I've seen, where people say, if she hadn't tried to make her voice so deep, it would have sounded more real, or something like that. Right. Just you know, try more serious voice, or so. I don't know exactly how to explain it, but mm-hmm. yes. You've got the picture. It's just no, nothing extreme. You just want a clear delineation between the characters. Exactly. I want to know which character is speaking at the time. And I don't want to know he said, she said. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry about that because that is not the reader. That is the writer. And um, but I think that when a book translates to audio, then I think maybe the editor or whoever, because I don't know exactly how that works. But I think they should take the time to um, take those out of the story. Well, that that works in a, that works in a number of different ways. Uh, there are some narrators who will say, who are purists, and say the words are on the page. You say them. Period. End of story. There are other narrators who would argue. When you have a situation where you've got 10 lines in a row that are he said, she said, he said, she said, um, it is the narrator's discretion. It is okay to knock some of that out. There are others who would say it's okay as long as you get the approval of the author. There are production companies that will edit a book um, in that way, in that very small way before actually having the narrator do it. So it's approached in a lot of different ways. I'm I'm not sure that I'm married to any one specific approach, um, but it is kind of a point of contention among a lot of different people with different views on it. Well, as a listener, it's annoying. Yeah, yeah. I, I is, it's annoying. And um, I, I, I just wish they could get rid of that. And, I, and I, when I'm listening to it, I know it's the author. I know it's not the reader. So I'm okay with it, but I find it, it's actually at a point I'll just put the book down for a while because I can't deal with it. Yeah. So, so so getting away from the performance, just for kind of a a final little point here, um, do you ever find any problems in terms of production quality? Do you ever have a problem with the amount of noise or do you ever hear, I mean, if you've listened to a lot of audiobooks, I'm guessing you may have heard stray sounds that should not have been in there, like a dog barking or a, or a car horn or something like that. On a, it's not as bad as it used to be. It seems like that that's not happening nearly. It used to happen a lot. That's good to hear. Um, you can, you can always tell when somebody's had a drink of water or a drink of something because then their voice changes a little bit. Mm-hmm. So you can tell if they're reading and they did that they, they didn't finish their, you know, so today they have a bit of a cold. You can always tell those little things, but they, they don't make any real difference in the story. They really don't. That's, that's um, good to hear. At least for me, you know, it's all right. I'm okay with it. Yeah. But, um, I, and I listen to a lot of books, but I remember my books as well. I know my books. So I go through my audible list occasionally and say, okay, what have, um, you know, what, what, because I'll get on like, do you know Ruth Downey? No. Okay. She writes a lot of um, Roman, they're, they're a fiction kind of a, a fun book, mm-hmm. but, um, I know my character, and when she comes up with something, I'll go through that, and I oh, I haven't listened to her for a while. And then I go back and I listen. And another book is Alexander McCall Smith. Are you familiar with his oh, books? Oh, sure, yeah. My wife has read, I think, all of his stuff. Me too. Me too. I love the Birdie series. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, and he has really, really good women readers for his um, 
uh, for his ladies number one detective agency series. I, I knew that's why I knew that name. I thought <laughs> I, I, I thought I know that he's done different series, and I think that Jen has read all of his books. But it seems to me that there was one specific one, and is it the one that just came up in a conversation recently? Yes, it is. It's that one. Yeah, exactly. Well, eighties number one detective agency, and then there's the forty four Scott Street. I think it's Scott Street. That's the birdie, a six-year-old precocious child who, you know, you see the world through his eyes. Hmm. And um, it's and then there's another book. But anyway, his books are amazing. And the readers that he gets from his books are they they just sell the books. I mean, they they just he's his choice, and I don't know who chooses the readers, but whoever chooses them. So that's also something that is highly variable. I'm I'm sure that with uh, Alexander, what is it, McCall Smith? Is that right? Yes. Um, yes. I'm I'm sure that with his books, he is with a major publisher, and so the publishing company has the audio rights, and they make the decisions on who's going to um, narrate. I I mean I I don't know that for a fact, but that's my guess. With uh, smaller authors, they may be self-published or they may be with a publishing company that does not retain the audio rights. And so it's up to them to hire a narrator. Uh, sometimes you have situations where somebody licenses a book and so it's published by this company, but then a different publishing company actually makes the choice. Sometimes the author has an input into who's narrating. Sometimes they don't. It's really kind of all over the map. Hmm, that's really interesting because um, I prefer if I'm going to listen to a series of a book and, you know, maybe they just start out with one and then they find that that character was popular. Maybe they do a second or a third. I want the same character. And so I want the same reader. Mm -hmm. um, so that's an interesting question that just came up recently for me was, um, oh, I see that. Uh, that at least one in the number one ladies detective agency was narrated by uh, Lizette Lacat, and that is actually uh, a name that I've just seen recently. I'm not familiar with her work, but I've I've seen it. In fact, it looks like she's done most or all of them in that series. Yes, she uh, has. Yes, she so, has. So that that just came up recently as well is series and whether or not listeners care if you have the same narrator for a series. Yes, we do. <laughs> that sounded like a pretty definite statement there. <laughs> it is because, you know, when you read a book and you decide what the character looks like, they have blonde hair or if they have um, freckles or whatever it is, you decide that as the reader. You give them their life. Mm -hmm. And when you go to a movie and you see it and they've picked the wrong character for your for your book, for your for the for the person, and it's the same thing with listening to a book. When I hear that voice, I give that I give that voice the 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 character. Mm -hmm. And then if you change the voice on me, then I have to start all over, kind of. It's like starting a whole new book. It's not even like the same thing at all. Yeah. No. Does that I, make sense? Oh yeah, it it makes a lot of sense to me. Um, and I, and I think that for the most part, it makes sense to authors too. I know that there are, uh, contractual issues and timing issues, and there are all kinds of things that can enter into why an author or a publisher would want to change narrators or not even why they would want to, but why they would change narrators regardless of whether anybody wanted to. Um, but I can certainly understand from the listener perspective that in general, as long as they like the first book in the series, they're going to want the same person for the series. It's not even, they don't even think about the reader. They think about the character. Mm -hmm. So the, the reader has given life to the character. And so like Scott Brick does almost all of Dean Koontz. Mm -hmm. And so I listened to a Dean Koontz that wasn't a Scott Brick. And even though we weren't reading a series, I don't like a book by Dean Koontz. It's not read by Scott Brick. <laughs> I'm sure Scott will be happy to hear that. I'll try to remember to bring sure. that up. I don't, make, I don't make that much difference in his life, but that's how I felt about it. And that's what that's uh, the reader is incredibly important to how the book 
is perceived, I think. There are a lot of people who are going to like to hear that. Um, Scott's probably actually going to be in here in a month or two. Uh, I know that we've been talking about it, but of course he's incredibly busy, so I don't know when that's going to work out exactly. But I will, I will definitely uh, try to remember to, uh, <laughs> to, to do that. Um, there was another, I went to the, uh, I don't know if you've been to the Tucson Festival of Books, but um, of yeah, it's, I mean, it's a huge deal here in Tucson. And, uh, I actually met somebody and I was, you know, talking to authors and saying, well, I'm an audiobook narrator. And, uh, he said, oh yeah, audiobooks. Oh yeah. You know, I would listen to anything that Scott Brick narrates. And I thought, wow, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's something that, you know, as a narrator, that's like the, the pinnacle is, is people know you and want to follow you as opposed to the, the author. Uh, it doesn't happen too often, but of course Scott's been doing this for a long time and he's very good at it. So he has been doing it for a long time. And I think that audiobooks have expanded. I think more and more people are listening. Oh, absolutely. Audio, I, I, audiobooks have been the fastest growing segment of the publishing industry for, I think it's five years now, for five years in a row. I don't doubt that because I went to the book festival this year and the authors that I met, I bought their books, but I also bought their audiobooks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All their books are on my library shelves. I've listened to all their books. Yeah. There's no wrinkles on any pages. <laughs> <laughs> because what I do, you know, um and and I just I just think that finding the right reader for your book is probably one of the most important things you can do at least now in this world. And it used to be just me. I was the only one I I, I I just didn't meet many people who listen to books. And now I, I talk to people all the time who listen to books. And like I said, my book club, there are quite a few. Well, there's two or three of us that only listen to books. Mm-hmm. I don't have time, Rich, to sit down and read a book anymore. No, I understand. And that's, I know that that's the way a lot of people feel is, um, you know, if I had the time, I would read all the time. Uh, and there are, are still, depending on lifestyle and what you're doing, it is certainly still possible. But uh, there are so many people now who are uh, st- stressed for time. And so audiobooks really work, especially if you have a long commute or if you do a lot of travel or anything like that. So I get well, it. If you try on a plane and you try to buy a book and, or, you know, and you take it on a plane to read it, there are so many disturbances and so uncomfortable if I put my earbuds in and I sit there, first of all, nobody's going to bother me or talk to me. I've got all of the personal space and time I want. <laughs> and, um, you know, it's just if, you, if I have a book, they're going to come and ask, do you want this? Do you want that? I put my earbuds in. They just leave me alone. Yeah. And I can get so much more listening in than I can reading. <laughs> <laughs> I, I completely understand and believe me, myself and probably most or all of my listeners appreciate that. Well, I hope I hope people really, really understand how important it is. Yeah, no, we we do, and and we're. Uh, I know that I and most of the people that I know that are doing this are happy to be in this industry. So it's it's always good to hear from the people who are actually benefiting from the work that we do. So thank you for coming into the audiobook speakeasy. Thank you. It has been my pleasure. I hope. I hope your rosé was good. My rum is almost gone. It's all gone, and now I have my friends coming over from Mahjong. Oh. <laughs> when you're not listening to audiobooks, I hope you're not listening to audiobooks when you're playing Mahjong. No, but we went to see 2000 and, um, 2000 and what, 10 the other night. Oh, and no I, kidding. Yeah, it's a remake at the loft and I went and I, my husband's watching it and I've seen it multiple times. So I just put my earbuds in and listened to my book and kind Two, of at the intermission, he goes, you're listening to a book, aren't you? Yes. <laughs> 2010 or 2001 because I know the loft was, was playing yeah so they did the they did the remastered version I think yeah I didn't I didn't make it out there to see that but I think they had it in 70 millimeter and uh, I'm one of the few 70 millimeters and it's beautiful yeah I'm sure it's gorgeous I can give you the lines if you want. <laughs> <laughs> that's quite all right. Um, <laughs> so I just sat and listened to my book and watched it. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's great. That's great. All right. Well, Sharon, thank you so much for coming in. I really appreciate your time. I really appreciate sitting down, having a drink with you, and finding out all about what you like and don't like about audiobooks. And I'm sure that everybody who's listening will be able to take something away from that. 
I hope that I've made some impact. I don't know. We'll see. Okay. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Rich. I've enjoyed it so much. All right. Thanks, Sharon. This Thank is great. Well, that's it for tonight. Many thanks to Sharon Quarles for stopping by. I always find it helpful to talk to listeners from time to time to find out what they like and don't like in an audiobook. Of course, opinions will differ, but there are certain ideas that seem to pop up frequently. You can find the audiobook Speakeasy on iTunes, Stitcher, and Podbean, and all the apps that pull from iTunes. And you can find me at richvoiceproductions.com, where I've got some samples and links to audiobooks I've narrated, a place where you can sign up for my monthly newsletter and where I'm also posting episodes of the audiobook Speakeasy. If you're enjoying our Speakeasy chats, please leave a review on iTunes or Stitcher. And if you're not enjoying them, please find a podcast you do enjoy and leave them a review. If you think this show is educational, entertaining, or valuable simply because it gives you an excuse to sit down and enjoy a cocktail in an otherwise hectic day, I'd really appreciate it if you could visit patreon.com slash audiobookspeakeasy and donate a buck or two. You donate per episode, but you can set a monthly maximum, and you can cancel at any time. I've heard from some listeners that they'd like to support the show but aren't up for the recurring payment aspect of Patreon, so I've also set up a paypal.me link for one-time donations. Just visit paypal.me slash audiobookspeakeasy if you'd like to contribute. Any financial support, no matter how small, is greatly appreciated, and it'll help me keep the lights on here in the speakeasy. I know you'll understand if you start hearing ads at the beginning or end of each episode, but I'm trying to avoid that, and your donations really do help. Until we see you here in the speakeasy again, I hope you can find some time to enjoy an audiobook. Cheers! Thank you.